The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. We're going to have a great program today. If you've been listening to the show, you know we're telling the inspiring stories of those building the common good in our state. We've been having on community leaders from across the state. And so we're going to have a great time today with Matt Larkin. Matt recently uh, ran for attorney general here in the state of Washington. He put up a valiant fight against the uh, strong incumbent, Bob Ferguson, and went toe-to-toe with Bob, and he put on a great campaign. And we're going to have Matt on the show. He's been a longtime community leader. He was a speechwriter in the George Bush White House, George W. Bush White House. So we're going to have Matt and hear from Matt, talk about the campaign that he was uh, just running, but also, more importantly, um, how we can come together as a community as we see con- the continued uh, disintegration of our social fabric. Joining us is Matt Larkin, recent candidate for Attorney General of the state of Washington, who gave a incredible effort running against the incumbent Bob Ferguson and made it a, a really tight race and uh, did a great job. And he's been a longtime community leader here in our region. And I'm just really excited to have Matt on and talk about what it's happening in our community, in our state, in ways that we can continue to build together. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Tim. Really happy to be here. This is great, Matt. And I'm, you know, I'd love to just kind of start off by, you know, give give our listeners, you know, before we kind of dive into a little bit of the recent campaign you were running and some of the, maybe the lessons learned, would love to talk about that. Give our give our our listeners a little bit of kind of bio sketch on you, you know, where you grew up and. And, um, you know, your favorite kind of teriyaki shop here in town, things like that. That's that's probably the toughest question I've gotten in a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, background for me, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Washington guy. I grew up in Seattle in the Magnolia area. Um, went out of, went out of, actually went to Kings for high school uh, and then left the state, go to California, got my undergrad down there in political science, uh, came back and uh, got my law degree at Gonzaga. After that, I shot over to Washington, D.C. and took a job in the Bush White House uh, as a speechwriter. And while I was doing that, I was also getting an advanced law degree from George Washington Law School called an LLM, uh, which I finished. And then I wrapped up the Bush term. My last day was his last day um, working for him. Uh, We were literally, Tim, moving our stuff out of the White House on Inauguration Day. Wow. It was surreal to be a part of that transition. Um, but very cool too to see a transition like that go so smoothly. Yeah, um, um, and kind of a testament to our democracy. Uh, it didn't go quite as smoothly when Bush transitioned in. There were a lot of uh, stories of vandalism and things like that. But but we didn't. We we had actually got a memo from the president that said make it as easy as possible for the Obama folks uh, as they move into this new uh, seat of government. And we absolutely, we did it. And it, it was really cool to be a part of that. Um, but then I did, you know, Republicans weren't getting hired in DC back then. And I decided to move back to uh, my, my roots, uh, back to Washington. 
I had met my wife at the White House, and we dated uh, for a while, and we got married and moved back to Seattle. Uh, started raising our family in Green Lake. Um, and uh, four kids later, here we are. Uh, so I, I took a brief job uh, prosecuting in Pierce County. I was a criminal prosecutor. I also had a phone call from the president after I had left and, uh, and uh, helped him work on his book, Decision Point. So I was an editor for that, which was kind of a cool thing to be involved in. Uh, but the family business called Tim, and I got pulled back into uh, my family's company, uh, which I'm an owner of. We, we're a manufacturing company. Uh, we make waterworks products, stuff that goes on underground water pipelines. It brings clean drinking water to people all over the world. So uh, there's a lot going on there right now. Uh, as water becomes more and more scarce, and uh, it's a great business to be involved in. I've been legal counsel there for a better part of a decade. Um, but I stepped away about, gosh, about 18 months ago. Um, and I, I stepped away for a reason. I, I was seeing a different Seattle. I was seeing a different Western Washington than the one I grew up in. Uh, I, we used to go to the park as a kid, and my mom would let us. We used to walk down to the store as kids. Uh, no problems at all. I, I don't have that for my kids. There's crime has been rising, as you know, for the last better part of a decade now. Uh, homelessness is through the roof. Violent crime is up. All of these things. And, and then I started to not recognize uh, my city and my state. And it was heartbreaking because uh, we've got four little kids. We've got an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, uh, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Uh, and and I wanted what I had growing up for them. I wanted them to be proud of their city and their state. Uh, and, and they weren't. They weren't, we weren't headed in that direction. We're still not headed in that direction. Things haven't leveled off at all. The numbers continue to climb. So, so that's what got me passionate about it, Tim. And that's why I stepped into the fight. Uh, I wanted to make the biggest difference that I could. Uh, and from the attorney general's office, I still think I could have made a really big impact on cutting back on, on these issues that we're facing, the, the drug abuse, the homelessness, the street crime, all of these things uh, that, I, that are out of control. And I thought, you know, that's where I can make the biggest impact. So that's why I, I put my career on hold. I stepped out, uh, took a leave of absence from my job and stepped into the fight and and went toe-to-toe with Bob Ferguson for a year, which was interesting in and of itself. Um, but, but good fights are worth having, and I really did think that, that we could have made a difference had I got elected, which is, is too bad. But, but as I tell my kids often, I'm not going to stop fighting for you guys. Uh, we've got to fix things. And they are not getting worse. Every single, you know, every single homeless count that happens annually is showing a higher and higher number. Uh, the crime is continuing to go up, and, and we've got to do something about it. Uh, and, and I'm going to continue to do my best, just like I know you are. Uh, and I commend you. You're, you're out there every day, too, fighting the good fight and trying to, to take back our parks and our, our streets. And, you know, one heartbreaking story, we have some friends who live in the U District uh, with a six-year-old, I guess he's seven now, but uh, every day or every Saturday before the games, the parents would have to walk the fields to pick up all the needles. Hmm. And eventually, damn, it got so bad, they just had to cancel the league. Wow. And, and why is that the new norm? Uh, why does that have to be acceptable? Uh, it, it shouldn't be. And, and that, that you hear stories. I was out on the campaign trail, and you hear stories like that all over the place. Uh, it's not an isolated incident. Uh, and we shouldn't have to. Do, I mean, that shouldn't be what we get used to. And I don't want to get used to it. I want to fight. I want 
yeah. our parks back. I want our streets back. I want to be proud to take people into Seattle who are visiting me from out of town. You know, I avoid it now. Like a lot of people, if they're being honest, say, no, let's go check out somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> don't call me and look at the falls. Let's not go down to the waterfront in Seattle because they're embarrassed and it's not safe. And we've got to do something about it. Matt, are you familiar with Compassion Seattle? Have you heard about this new charter amendment? Uh, no, I don't know much about it. Okay. You should look it up. So I'm on the advisory committee for it, and some of the folks who came together for this actually uh, came together when we had our uh, Seattle Together Washington Summit back in February, right before COVID 2020. And this is a, a, a coalition, an unconventional coalition of social service providers, community leaders, business leaders, and and basically what it is, it's a, um, it's a, right now we're in signature gathering phase. We need to get 33,000 signatures so it can get on the ballot for November. And then it would become, if it gets passed, a charter amendment that would do something that, you know, we've talked about here on the show that we should be able, we're Seattle, right? We're Washington. We, we cannot, we should be able to take care of people and get them the services they need. People who are hurting, people who are addicted, and also keep, you know, our parks available for everyone to use. And th- those Absolutely. should be mutually exclusive. And so uh, take a look at – I'd love to, you know, have you take a look at Compassion Seattle. Maybe we can talk more about it offline here. Uh, but sure. you might it might be good to have uh, have you aware of that. It's been getting a lot of media here the last couple of weeks. Right. But, um, you know, Matt – you know, gosh, there's so much to talk about here, but let's let's go back a little bit here. Um, sure. One is so you you met your wife in the White House. What you met your yeah. wife in the White House, right? Yeah. What was that? Was she working in the White House as well? No, it's not quite. No, she wasn't. You know what? It's one of the perks of being a White House staffer uh, is you get to give tours of like really cool, not just the old historical part of the house, but you get to show the Oval Office, um, also the West Wing, the press room, all sorts of stuff. Um, and the Rose Garden, just really cool stuff that's off limits. But uh, but your friends come out of the woodwork and want tours, obviously, because it's really cool. It might be a one and only shot of a lifetime to see the Oval Office. So, mm-hmm. so uh, a, a co-worker of mine in the speech writing office told a girlfriend of his, Hey, if you are ever in DC, come on up and I'll give you this really cool tour. And she, she was planning a a girl's trip and she said, Hey girls, let's do it in DC. My friend can show us around the white house. So they all did their girl's trip up there. Uh, he got sick the night before the tour and had me stand in. (laughs) uh, He said, Hey Larkin, will you fill in? And I said, uh, sure, I guess I will. But was this a uh, real sickness or was he setting you up on kind of a blind date kind of thing? You know what? I, I really didn't check. I should have done a drive by, by his house and seen, I saw him out jogging or something, but, um, but, uh, my wife was one of the three girls on the West Wing tour. And we hit it off right there, right out in front of the Oval Office, and we'll never forget that moment. Uh, So, what do you mean you hit it off? You're just like, hey, I think you're, I think you're cute. Can I show you the the Lincoln Room? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you know, it wasn't that direct, but uh, it, it was uh, <laughs> would have been a good line. Um, it was just a connection, you know. You 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 meet that person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, and it's a connection. Well, I met my uh, wife at a funeral, so I, you're you're kind of one up on me, but <laughs> can't wait to hear that story. Um, uh, <laughs> But we just we exchanged business cards. It was still very professional, but we kept in touch, and uh, and started dating. So, in fact, on our on our wedding cake, we had a White House, which was kind of a fun thing. Uh, not every couple gets to, to claim that. Uh, and in fact, we went to a, a Bush alumni uh, event a few years ago, and she got to talk to him. Um, and she said, you know, you're the reason I met my husband. And he laughed. He said, I'm not going to take any credit for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Bush, did you see him? Did you see Bush on Kimmel last week? Yeah, I heard about it. I didn't see it. Oh my, he is so funny. My goodness, like I don't know if it's just if it's just because the older he gets, the more he doesn't care, you know. But like he's just throw. I mean, he's just throwing out one liners left and right. I mean, my goodness, funny he's like that as a boss. He he he's always been funny, and I don't think that always came out remember how demonized he was as a president uh but he was always really funny and i people would ask what's he like in person and that would be the first thing i would say he's really funny he's yeah. always smiling he's always got a twinkle in his eye he's got a, he, he's always up to something yeah well the whole the whole that. thing with him and michelle obama right like that the, the which has become i think for our country so cool to see you know, oh, like yeah. this relationship, you know, this kind of funny, mischievous relationship develop, you know, they're passing candy to each other at these different events and things like that. <laughs> like, like that is so uh -huh. good for, for our country to see that, you know, that kind of sense it, of it humor. Is. Yep. Now more than ever, you see that and you just kind of, you have a little bit more faith in the process. Um, and it's healing in some way. Um, but yeah, you get to see this little personality come out of him in those moments when they're slipping candy to each other <laughs> and she's hugging him and it's just, it's fun to watch, but we need more of that, Tim. And we do, we need more unity now, uh, more than ever. So glad you're with us. And we got Matt Larkin on the program today. Matt uh, just ran for attorney general of the state of Washington uh, for the Republican Party. He gave a uh, really great effort, actually a very competitive race. Some didn't think it would be, it'd be competitive against a strong incumbent, Bob Ferguson, but Matt uh, made it very competitive and, and uh, gave Bob a run for his money. Matt's been a longtime community leader, as he was saying on the last segment, was a speechwriter for George W. Bush. And Matt, let's talk about What's going on here in, you know, we have a lot of Democrats on the show and we have Republicans and I, I, I like that. I love to be able to bring people together and, and talk of what we can learn from a whole host of people in our region, in our state. You know, the Republican Party here in the state of Washington, you know, certainly, um, it, you know, perhaps has seen better days, right, in the sense of like what we what we're seeing in Olympia, what we're seeing in Washington D.C. Do you see what what is the future you think of the Republican Party in the state of Washington? In your opinion, no, and that's a great question. Uh, we've all had to kind of, if you're a Republican, look in the mirror and answer that question. Uh, and I think we're still wrestling with some identity within the party. 
my my vision for it is a party that that listens and, and, and you know and a lot of these issues that I fought for Tim are not partisan issues uh, we all have a vested interest in letting our kids walk safely down the street and go to the park uh, we all have a vested interest in our neighbors who are sleeping under bridges and in tents uh, and, and these do not have to be partisan issues um, so I might be jumping the gun on a question that's coming up but I, but I think uh, we've got to start finding common ground uh, these are not Democratic or Republican issues. Uh, and and I, I, I see a party that listens, and I see a party that, that and I hope it's reciprocated uh, by the other side, because we, we can't just keep yelling at each other. We've got to find a common solution, because things are getting worse. Objectively and subjectively, they're getting worse. Uh, we've got to do something about it. And, and these polarizing arguments and these name-calling uh, fits and all of these things you're seeing from both sides now has got to stop. And um, we've got to actually try to solve these problems. So I view that the party is, is maybe gaining traction uh, once we bring some real solutions to the table. Uh, and also, I think we need some, some youth and energy in the party. Yeah. Uh, I'm 39. Uh, I think one of the big things that we're lacking in the Republican Party in Washington State is youth uh, and excitement. Uh, people need to get excited. People, we need young parents who are running for office. We need guys in the middle of their careers uh, stepping in. Uh, and the problem is most people, I, I guess you could say on both sides, uh, but particularly within our Republican Party, uh, get involved after they're retired. They wait. They say, you know, I'm going to just raise my family, wait till I have more time, wait till I have more money, and then I'll get involved. And what you see is an older generation of Republicans. What we need is young guys, young girls getting involved, saying, you know what? These issues are too important to punt on till later down the road. We need to solve them now uh, and, and making some sacrifices. Yeah, Matt, and when you in a career on hold, Matt, when you talk to, you know, state Republican leaders about this, you know, your heart, your vision for, you know, listening, bringing people together. What what do you what do you hear from kind of the overall state Republican leaders around that. Is that something that gets reciprocated? I mean, obviously right now in what I see, and, and again, I'm not in it like you are at all, um, is that you see kind of maybe two parts of the Republican party, right? You see, you have the, um, you know, one, maybe one side that, that does want to kind of draw the line in the sand and say, you know what, we've just got to stand strong and, and, and there might be a little more, um, I don't know what the word is, um, I don't want to use the word divisive because that, that may not be the right word, but a, a little more, we're going to draw the line in the sand versus, hey, we're going to, we're going to try to listen and, and talk. What, what, do you, what are you seeing around that? I think your, your, our leadership is in, in a good place. I, I have a lot of respect for the, for the, the Republican Party leadership in Washington State. Uh, and you're right. There are these, these competing factions within the party. Um, and, and, and frankly, I, I, I kind of get it. A lot of them feel like they've been kicked around. They feel like they don't have a voice in Olympia. They feel like Seattle's dictating policy all the way out in Walla Walla and in Okanagan County and in uh, Tri-Cities. And they don't have a voice, and they're frustrated. And that's bubbling up. And I, I understand why they're feeling that way. Uh, but, but the trick is to, to bring both of those sides together, Tim, that you mentioned, and, and 
unite the party in a way and say, look, guys, we're never going to get anywhere by digging in. We need to come together and solve these problems. And, and it starts by getting involved and getting elected. Uh, too many Republicans say, you know what? We're never going to win here. I'm not even going to bother. I'm going to raise my kids and retire and right off into the sunset. No, we need you to run for school board. We need you to run for judge. We need you to get on the fire board seat seven. Uh, we need local engagement. Um, and, and I think we just, we've got to encourage that to happen. Uh, otherwise we're, we're never going to make a change that we want. We're never going to see these policies, uh, go a different direction. Yeah. What's your prediction? I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but it's sort of on the topic as well. Prediction with Trump. Is he going to, is he going to run again? again? You know what? If I could get into his head, I'd be a rich man. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think I I could see him going both ways. Uh, The inside talk just in, in my circle, which doesn't mean a whole lot is that he's not going to do it. Um, But you know, what are we three years from when he'd have to announce Um, two and a half years. So we'll know soon enough. Um, But yeah, it's, who knows what his future is? I, I, I think we've got a lot of other rising stars in the party too that would love to uh, step in. So yeah. I, I think we, we've got a, a deep bench, but yeah. we need to be getting a deeper bench at the state levels too. So Matt, for you, so you you ran against Bob. You ran a great race. You were competitive, um, and then you um, came back to you know, your, your family industry, Romac industries there. And, and I'm sure you probably took some time to rest and I'm sure it took a lot out of you. Although, um, you're probably done with zoom calls and, and zoom meetings. Um, I can't imagine, you know, you got to probably be just so sick of zoom, but what, what does the future hold for you, Matt? I mean, what are you, what are you thinking about in terms of, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're really passionate about, um, the things that you're talking about. What, what does the future have for you? Well, good question. Uh, you're right. I got off the, uh, the trail. The campaign ended. It didn't go the way we wanted, but uh, in, it was exhausting. You need a little bit of time just to come down from that marathon, uh, emotionally and physically exhausting. Um, and and I, I want to stay involved. I want to make a change. I want to build on what we started. I, I, as I was out going around the state, Tim, I, I talked to a lot of people. Uh, all different walks of life and from business owners to soccer moms and, and there's momentum there. They want the same things. They just don't know where to go. And they're looking for leaders. They're looking for people to, to say, let's go. We're going this way. We're going to change things. We're going to make this a safer state. Uh, and they're looking for that. And, 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 you know, I, I want to be the element of change. I want to help however I can. And, um, and we'll see where that goes. A lot of folks have been wanting me to run for Congress. Uh, and, and that's something my wife and I are seriously considering. Uh, so stand by for that. Maybe that's something you'll hear from me next, making a run for uh, a congressional seat. Uh, however, I feel like I could make a difference, Tim, at the end of the day is, how I, is what I want to do. Uh, I want to make the biggest impact I can, and I want to make it as quickly as I can. Yeah. Because uh, I don't feel like I have a lot of time. My kids are growing up right now, uh, and I want to change the, the direction. Well, you, Matt, you sound like you're you're ready to jump on the campaign trail right now, my friend. You sound primed and ready. You're well-spoken. <laughs> you got your, you're ready to go. 
Well, thank you. That's quite a compliment. I don't feel any of those things. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know what? I, 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 I am ready to go in a sense. I, I, wanna, I want to uh, see the state go back to the, the place it was. Uh, and I want it to be safe again. And, and, and I guess that gets me fired up. It gets me a little passionate. Uh, and I, I, I can't afford to wait another 20 years, Tim, 30 years, uh, you know, till my career's over and I've got lots of time now we've got to do this now. And that's why I, I love that you're in the trenches fighting every day and doing what you're doing and I'll do whatever I can, uh, from my end or whatever my talents and skills lie, yeah. uh, and, and to, to make a difference. And, but so, Matt, who knows what that looks like. Matt, hypothetically speaking here. If you were to, let's say, jump in, I mean, do, do you have particular, you know, what what hypothetically might you want to jump into? I mean, I know you, you obviously just said Congress, but is there anything that uh, hypothetically you would look at? Look at? Well, yeah, I mean, Congress is obviously the, the thing that's coming up right in front of us. There's a 2022 election around the corner. Uh, and people are getting in left and right to all sorts of races, uh, including the U.S. Senate race. Um, but uh, my focus would probably be on Congress right now, if that's the direction we decide to go. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you know <laughs> when that decision's been made, and we can talk about it on your show. I'd love to come back. Do you want, um, do you want to come but, back to the show and make your, make your announcement? <laughs> now you got me. In the corner. No, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Out. I'm just. We're just having fun, Matt. We're just having fun here. We're just messing around. That's why I said hypothetically. That's why I said hypothetically. Uh, hypothetical. Hypothetically, Tim. Sure, I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> that's great. Well, as an attorney, you always leave yourself that out. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. But but it's an it's a place that, that I can build on what we started. This this momentum, and it's a place that's soon. I love that it's just year and a half away uh we could continue to fight i don't have to wait for another ag race in four years or three and a half years um we can we can enact some change now hopefully um so so it's it's tantalizing to think about that that, that election's around the corner uh but but who knows where i'll land and i'll just tease you with that one we'll yeah. leave, it, leave it there yeah well Lo- lauren culp just announced he's running against yeah. Newhouse. any any thoughts on that yeah uh, you know, I, my, my instinct is, uh, it'll be a really tough fight for Dan. Um, uh, I, man, it's going to be interesting campaign to say the least. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, he, Dan, you know, Dan is in the second most conservative, reliably conservative district in the country. In the country? Another district in rural California that's, that's more reliably conservative. No. And I, I haven't fact checked this. Somebody told me that, uh, and, so take it with a grain of salt, but it's, it's extremely conservative. Uh, and he made a vote and <laughs> made a lot of his base mad. So it'll be very interesting to see what, what, what happens with that. I suspect uh, it'll be a tough fight for him. And I, I don't know who's going to come out a winner. Yeah. Wow. That, that will be very interesting to watch. Um, without a mm-hmm. doubt. We're, uh, Together, Washington, we're doing some work with a bunch of with in Yakima going to be hosting a summit there later this year. And we've been working with some a lot of great Yakima leaders. And in fact, we are going to have 
Congressman Newhouse and uh, Governor Greg War, okay. um, part of our summit. Um, and I tell you, it's going to be, yeah, quite Great. interesting to see how that plays out. Matt Larkin, speechwriter for George W. Bush, just recently ran a very competitive campaign against Bob Ferguson for Attorney General. And in the last segment, is talking about some of his future, uh, perhaps, you know, in, you know, maybe um, Congress, maybe something else. You never know. But uh, Matt is a community leader, passionate, as you can tell, about the issues of the day. And Matt, you know, I want to ask you, I, I just was, you know, just really inspired listening to you. You're, you're passionate about the issues. I mean, let's, let's open, let's peel the onion a little bit. Not that you're an onion, but. Um, you know what I'm saying, um, but let's let's peel it back a little bit. I love what are what brings you to that place, right? We we are now we're seeing you know kind of the the passion for that you have, but how did you get to that place? I mean, what what were the things in your life, whether that's you know going all the way back to uh, when you were growing up here in the area in Magnolia going to King's high school or whatever it might, what were those things that formed you that brought you to the place that you're at today? Sure. That's a big, deep question, Tim. Uh, let's, I, as I think back o- over my life and what transformed me, I, the predominant thing is my faith. I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm a follower of Christ. And, and he, talks at length throughout the Bible of uh, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And these are things that I've embodied uh, or tried to embody uh, the best as best I could. Uh, obviously not perfect all the time, but that's what I feel called to do, and that's what shapes my worldview. And that includes uh, helping our neighbors on the streets. That includes uh, helping those addicted to drugs and, and helping make things safer for our, our friends and family and, and folks around the state. These are all things that I, I feel like I should be doing and helping. Um, as I, as I think back to defining moments in my life, I did when I was uh, in high school, I did, a, I had the opportunity to go on a couple of mission trips to Ukrainian orphanages. Uh, and boy, that is eye opening. Uh, and it was so transformative for me to just to 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 be there seeing these kids who have nothing um in a country that had nothing at the time it was it was coming out of the reeling from the breakup of the soviet union and uh ukraine was not a wealthy country uh, and it still struggles in parts but but these kids ha- had nothing and you just go see the joy and the happiness on their faces as we would teach and bring medical supplies and just play and, and love them and uh, these are things I hope every, I, I really hope that my four kids have a chance to do that, uh, or something like that, because it, it really will change your life and your perspective. Uh, so I carry that with me as I, as I fight for these things I'm passionate about, Tim, uh, that perspective, uh, we've got to help these people and, and we've got to have compassion, uh, for our neighbors and letting someone overdose under a bridge. Uh, with a needle sticking out of their arm, letting them die next to a dumpster in an alley. That's not compassion. Uh, compassion is helping them get on their feet and not letting them stay distraught and down and out. 
You need to be out there trying to make a difference and trying to help people. Uh, and that's where it comes from. You want to know what drives my, uh, the fire in my belly? It's, it's my kids. That's the, the big driver. Uh, I genuinely, it's not just uh, something I say. It's a genuine concern. It's a genuine uh, passion for, for their future. Uh, we took them to a Mariner's game. I tell this story all the time. A couple of years ago, uh, we took the family to a nice summer outing to a Mariner's game. Uh, and the whole walk from the car to the ballpark, we were stepping over needles and bottles and around tents. And there was a guy taking a dump across the street on the sidewalk and uh, another guy with a needle in his arm. And I was trying to distract my kids the entire time. Uh, say, hey, kids, look around. Look up there. That, I think I saw a bald eagle mm. up there. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, look yeah. At the, look at the, and just so they wouldn't see what was going on around them. And I thought, when did it get to this point in Seattle? It seemed like it happened quick. Uh, and maybe... Maybe it's because it did. Um, but but I just don't want us to keep going in that direction for my children's sake and for, frankly, for my grandchildren's sake. Um, so, so that's where that passion comes. And every day during the campaign, I would wake up uh, and remind myself I'm doing this for them. I'm fighting this tough fight, which is running for office is quite an interesting experience, Tim. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt— and, uh, if I could, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned accountability, and I think that's important to to note because I think you know right now we have here in Seattle in particular, you know, we have different terms, and I, you know, I work with, you know, I've been working with our city council and our mayor's office um, over this, you know, the past few years around our homelessness crisis we're in, and you know, we I, we're running off of different terms often because when when you or and and I don't we haven't had this conversation, but I'm assuming we might have some, you know, some same defining terms around accountability because, you know, it, that doesn't mean okay, let's go arrest people and get them in jail. What it no, what because no. what because what I think is when you talk to folks who are trying to get their their life back together, trying to uh, beat addiction trying to beat a mental illness, trying to get help. And I've, you know, I've, I've going on, you know, 15 years of working with folks who have been in tough situations like that. And the folk, almost to a T, the folks who are able to get back onto their feet to beat addiction, they did need some level of someone outside of themselves saying, okay, we, I'm going to have to, make some tough decisions for you and it's and we're going to have to provide some level of accountability human accountability we all need that right like can you imagine sure none of us having any accountability whatsoever <laughs> i mean we would just be going off the rails because we're we're humans right we make bad decisions sure. and all of us need a level of accountability something outside of ourselves now imagine someone who's in addiction that has a very hard time making decisions for themselves they absolutely need someone outside of them to say hey this is what i need you to do to for you to get back on your life and to, for you to get back on your feet again but unfortunately what we're seeing in seattle right now has not been that in fact are fortunately and i don't you know some a lot of our city leaders are they there are certain things that they want to avoid, and, and even accountability has become a, a dirty word, right? 
where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, don't don't say that word because that's because some believe that that word means, oh, we're just going to just arrest everybody and send them all to prison. That's not compassionate. It's like, no, come on. Now, some people do. Right. Some people need. I mean, there's folks living out on the street right now that are kind of what what are called the frequent flyers. Right. They, they literally have mm-hmm. over some have over a hundred felony offenses, many of them violent felony offenses and who are, and they've hurt children. They've hurt um, women. They've hurt men and they've done violent crimes. And we have people right now um, walking our streets of Seattle with over 60 or a hundred felonies in the last 10 years. Now those people absolutely should not be on the street. Now there's another, there's another level of folks who are living out in the street who are that's not them they're not criminals but they are dealing with mental illness and drug addiction mm-hmm. and and they need ser- they need accountability and they need help sure and sure. our city is just not giving them the help mhm yeah and then they need that force in their life to to get them off of the, the street and into a better situation, whether that's law enforcement or whether it's it's the Union Gospel Mission or Mary's Place or some of these places, they come alongside and help with addiction counseling and uh, rehab, and they need that help. But but letting them just drown their sorrows away with more heroin is not the answer. I think common sense people would agree with that. Uh, and and sometimes it takes a, a carrot and a stick to get people the help they need. Uh, one of the things I love, uh, Josh Freed in his gubernatorial campaign, uh, talked about his pathways, what he called his pathways to recovery program, which is you, you get them off of the street, uh, and then you offer them the incarceration for the crimes that they've committed or, uh, addiction help and, and rehab and recondition some state facilities to provide that for them. Uh, and that might be what it takes. Um, I've got a family member who struggled with addiction and homelessness, uh, and it, that, that's, he, he was in another state, and that state had a program that allowed him uh, to do that. And he got arrested for a drug crime, uh, and they offered him rehab or incarceration. And that's his, what he talks about is his rock-bottom moment when he decided rehab looks a lot better than incarceration, mm. and it forced him into rehab. And he's a changed man, and he's got a family, and his life is on track, and it's a it's a success story. Yeah. So there are there's all sorts of ways to solve this, but you first have to provide that accountability piece. You're absolutely right, because without that, there's really no teeth to any of this. Uh, they're just left to walk, you know, to to sit there in the slums, and that's not what what we need. That's not what they need. No, it's like I mean, both of us have four kids, and we're raising yeah, our kids yeah. right now, and it's it. I mean, we're not going to just tell our kids, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, this is unless you watch that movie on Netflix called <laughs> Yes Day, which was that. Have you seen that? Yeah, which I did. Yeah. Yep, which is funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, movie. We're, we're, but we're not going to, you know, I would be and you would be the absolutely worst parent in the in the nation. Right. If you just said, hey, you can just what whatever you decide you want to do, you can do. I mean, we're we're Go that, ahead. I'm not going to stop you, and I'm going to let you keep doing it. I mean, I don't think it doesn't matter what your political leanings are. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got to believe that 
um, when you're raising kids, you want to, you know, point them in the right direction and you want to help them and you want to provide guardrails for them and there's discipline and there's accountability. And, and when folks mm-hmm. get into tough situations um, where they're dealing with a lot of addiction and substance issues um, that, and they can't make decisions for themselves, unfortunately, right? Because you, mm-hmm. when you're in a situation like that, you, you, you're not able to make the best decisions for yourself and you need someone who does care about you genuinely to come and make those decisions and help you in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and that's what it's going to take. And I think, uh, most common sense folks, regardless of party, can agree on that. Um, and we just got to get to that point where we can even have that dialogue. All right, let's, let's condense it down to what we agree on and work from there. Uh, and hopefully that's a, a one key to success that we'll have yeah. in the future. Matt, after you finished up your, your campaign this, this past November, was your wife, was she like, I am so glad this is over. I do not want to go through this again. Although she probably, it was probably, it was probably a unique campaign because she probably wasn't necessarily out on the trail, um, in, in a way that you normally would be. But I guess the question is, is she, is she excited or, uh, about the, is she, or does she never want to go through that again? You know what? That's a great question. She, there was a, I will say there was a sigh of relief when it was all over um, from both of us, but from her. Uh, and, but, but she's the one encouraging me and blowing wind in my sails uh, every day saying, you know what? Don't give up on this. We can make a difference. We can be change agents in our community. Um, so I would say she's extremely supportive uh, and excited for what lies ahead. Uh, with whatever plans those might be, as I as I teased that a little bit earlier in the program, uh, we're excited for what the next chapter is because she feels just as passionate about uh, making change as I do. Yeah, uh, and she's been wonderful and supportive to me throughout it. We've been just having a great time with Matt Larkin. Uh, local community leader uh, in the Republican Party with uh, ran recently against Bob Ferguson. He was a speechwriter in uh, the George W. Bush White House. And we've just been really diving into some issues and hearing about his future. And Matt, before we let you go here, I love to ask our guests uh, kind of a final question. It's kind of our standard uh, last question. And that is, Matt is how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, you know, I I want to be remembered, Tim, as uh, someone who left this place a little bit better than when I found it and made a difference in some way. Uh, that's what I w- would want my kids to tell their kids and their grandkids, I think. And I don't, think there's much more you can ask for when you, you just to know that that you did something you made an impact in some way uh whether it's big or small it doesn't matter but to, but to be remembered as someone who made a difference uh that that's something that that i would love for them to pass on with my legacy wow beautiful i love that matt Thank you so much for being on the program today. You really appreciate it. And let's stay in touch and let's have you back on, okay? Okay. Sounds great, Tim. Thanks for the chance. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Take We're care. on with Matt Larkin, 
a recent candidate for attorney general for the Republican Party against Bob Ferguson. And just a great guy, great community leader, and had a great time with him.